rude. I was talking about what a genius I am, and the Zoom call <laughs> freaking cuts me off. The audacity. Welcome to another episode of Talking About Alliance, the number one uh, alliance recap for Dark Forest. I'm Ari. Joining me, as always, is Hirsch. Hello, Hirsch. Hello, everybody. And we have a special guest with us for this episode, the FML's favorite shark and number one production member, Meg, is with us today. Hello, Hi, Meg. <laughs> How's it going? Hey, Meg. How you doing? Oh, you know, not bad. Are you getting enough rest? Um, no, not really. You guys are keeping me up late podcasting, so. I, I, I still have to finish GDs, uh, at least another two and a half hours of GDs. I got to get back on that. How is it so far? It's good. Good, good. I've always enjoyed the podcast. I still have to read Clever's. But anyways, uh, when we last talked, we were previewing Tribal Council. It was Nero was heading there, and we weren't quite sure what was going to happen. It seemed like votes were headed towards Dorian Gray. And a little bit of a change um, in terms of how the structure went with Bun solidifying himself sort of on the side of the old Astrapian Nero combining there and then uh, Ace sort of coming up with a plan near the end, um, sort of at the last second telling Link Link that she should vote for Luke and to kind of throw that vote away, potentially get a split. And ultimately what happens is that Dorian didn't even show up to tribal council to try to swing any votes. That was <laughs> like a, a Shakespearean tragic comedy. Um, but really lame. Uh, I mean, Luke, yeah, I don't know what Dorian, I guess he slept through it. Um, I don't know what Ace was thinking with uh, getting a link to, to throw a vote on Luke. Because uh, even from the viewers' lounge, you just that seems like a, a totally unnecessary move. You, you, had, you had the votes. Just let let her do what she's going to do, you know, maybe bring her in after the fact, but to throw her out there and make her look foolish, which is the only way that is going to end is just asking for trouble. Definitely wouldn't be the first player to let paranoia potentially make a harmful decision. Uh, we ultimately got a five, one, one, zero split with five votes on Dorian Gray uh, Luke picks up one vote from Link, and Luke's vote had um, was on Jesus, who was talked about as a target in a few places, and ultimately Luke and, and Link left out of the vote and not too happy about that afterwards. I don't blame her. Um, I, again, I think it kind of goes back to something I said in the last podcast. If, if you're not around to be a part of the plans, you, you can't be mad when the plan happens around you. Uh, um, if she had been more involved, more around, she could have been on board a lot earlier with, uh, with the plan and, uh, and, and had more, you know, input. 
Um, and the fact that she hasn't been to, to a great extent um, means that people are going to just do stuff without her, without, without her, uh, without her input. And um, if she wants to change that, she needs to start putting in some more effort. Yeah, something I think we're seeing with Link a few times is just kind of not really being there and then showing up and wondering why things are happening without her. Uh, yeah. We saw that with one of the challenges and then before Tribal Council, like, she loses the challenge and then the next day is like, oh, I'm so hungover. I don't know how I can plan for this tribal and then is worried about le getting left out of the vote. Uh, then um, what did you make of the vote and reaction from that? I'm, I'm, I'm curious, Meg, uh, from a production standpoint, um, in addition to Ari's question, how do you feel in production when someone doesn't even bother to show up to tribal council? Well, I guess in fairness to Dorian, we give the players the win to meet link and fill it out. Um, he didn't fill in his availability and I know that he's a bartender, so it's entirely possible he was at work. I don't know. I mean, he was on in between when we originally posted the win to meet and when tribal happened and we tagged him a couple times and whatnot. Um, so whether he was not available, cause we'll always do it. You know, we always try and do it when the majority of people are available because it's always hard corralling, you know, five, six, eight, twelve, however many people to all be online at once, especially across different time zones and people's different work schedules and family stuff and whatever. Um, so we always try and just do it where we just pick whatever time works the best for everybody. If there's a couple people who can't go, we just tell them to vote ahead of time and we never got Dorian's availability. He never voted ahead of time. So, you know, what are you gonna do? Um, not, that it, so long. Yeah. not that it probably would have mattered that much. I don't know if he had gotten on, um, if he and Luke could have figured something out to put the votes on somebody else. But I don't, I think at the end of the day, I don't think it would have mattered that much. Yeah. Um, and as for Link Link, Lunk Lunk, Ink Ink, whatever you want to call her. Um, the dragon. Yeah, she just hasn't really been around a ton. And she shows up to challenges usually and seems like she wants to play, but also up until, it seems like she's really busy with work, which is fair. Um, and early on, she wasn't really around. And it seems like the other tribe members kind of bonded a bit without her. So then when she was around and wanted to participate in one, in whichever challenge it was the other day, and she was like, oh, I'll do it. I can play. And everybody's like, okay, we're all doing it. And you're not too bad. And everybody kind of ignored her. Like that sucks. Um, I can see getting frustrated when, if you are busy, when you do try and get on and try and talk to people, if people aren't really super interested or responsive back. So she sort of got herself stuck a little bit at this point. I think she kind of, she either needs to get online more and help, you know, and try and talk to some more of the people, get bonded a little bit easier and see if she can get in with somebody and figure something out. Um, otherwise, probably either her or Luke are gonna be on the outs with people, one, one after the other, I would imagine. Um, which is too bad. She's been a bit pigeonholed, and uh, and and once once you've been once that mold has been cast, it's hard to get out of it in in a game like this. So I think uh, she's got a very uphill battle ahead of her, I believe. Right, and I wasn't there when they were assigning 
roles for people for the gauntlet challenge. So I don't know how she ended up with champion of like all of the things like you, if I was the rest of the tribe, I would think like, okay, this person who hasn't been here, who I don't know how they're going to do, like, do I want them to be the thing that the whole thing comes down to? <coughs> I think I would have tried to put her elsewhere and given somebody else that. I think uh, Ari, and I, maybe Ari saw this as well, but I think at some point she came in and said, I would prefer to do this, this, or champion. And everybody else was basically avoiding champion. And I honestly, I think it kind of got shunted onto her because nobody else wanted that responsibility. Yeah, I think that like makes sense. But also like, kind of. like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah, you don't want to step up and, you know, be the reason that your tribe loses, but also do you really want to pin it on this person who hasn't been around? That seems like a bad plan. Though okay. she did do well, she came close to winning. So it's not like she, you know, didn't, she did, a, it's not like she did a bad job. And yeah. who knows, maybe if her tribe could have gotten the extra bonus from the one challenge that didn't finish, maybe the results could have been different. Yep. She hasn't been, I think, bad in any of the challenges. It's just hard to work with someone who just isn't online and just isn't there to talk to so much of the time. And that's right. a, that's a, a very appropriate segue into uh, the aftermath of that tribal, Ari. Yes, so um, the, the two people on the wrong sides of the vote, um, not the best reaction, I think. No, definitely taking things personally, even if you, if you see your name come up or even if you see names come up that you were never made aware of, it definitely feels like a blind side. And that's something that I can definitely relate to is that frustration and then immediately going into, well, now I can't trust anyone and I have no idea what to do going forward. Um, so we Ari, kind of seemed to take that out on everyone kind of. Um, and Link, Link's focus seemed pretty heavily directed on Ace because he pretty much took it on himself to throw her vote the wrong direction, do it at the last minute, knowing what the result would likely be. So it's always tough when you have votes going against you. Um, but, you know, to take that on and you don't want to get blindsided, but you also don't want to throw someone under the bus like that. Now, yeah, you you more than anyone know what it's like to have votes cast on you, Ari. Um, you know, ha being the record holder. Now, me personally, as someone who has never had a vote cast against him in an alliance game, I really don't know what that feels like. <laughs> but the... Uh, the um yeah the dms just blew the hell up i mean you had luke just dropping bombs in in camp um in everybody's channels he was dropping bombs in in link's uh, dm and that was an interesting conversation because she went into there mad um seemingly having forgotten that her useless vote was actually cast against luke and then luke is like well, what are you talking about you voted against me and then they quickly just seemingly got over that and were like oh i guess everybody lied to everybody and they used us both i think she did a good job actually of making luke forget or look past the fact that she had actually just voted for him and 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 maybe view her as a potential ally but i don't think I don't think that uh, I don't think that conversation is going to bear any fruit moving forward. But uh, yeah, Luke was uh, Luke was not a happy camper. She wasn't a happy camper. And uh, um, 
Yeah, and I guess we're going to get to see how that all plays out because of uh, things that have happened since. But uh, it, was, it, it was fun to watch him uh, blowing up camp for a little while. Yeah, it's always exciting when everybody just starts like – I don't think we've ever had a big fight in the middle of camp before. No, no, that was, I think that was like the biggest fight in camp history. I mean, cause camp just barely gets used, you know, for, except for just, you know, Oh, I made breakfast. La la ha ha ha. But no, this was just a straight out in the open skirmish and in, in, in the likes of which we haven't seen before. Yeah. That's one thing that's kind of interesting this season is that everybody playing seems much more, I guess they're not as secretive about things. Like usually everybody's like shit talking everybody behind each other's backs, like in their DMS, but instead this time everybody's just throwing up people's names in camp and just like throwing down whatever, like nobody cares. Nobody's being very stealthy about anything. Like the first, I think for the first try when they're like, well, I guess we could vote for, you know, whoever, like, I think like it was a uh, link link again, like out in their camp, they were like, Oh, <coughs> vote for link link. Like, okay, maybe don't say that in the middle of camp, but sure, the uh, the strategy this season's a little uh, interesting, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. A strategy is a, a kind word to uh, to describe the gameplay we're seeing. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of strategy, but it's uh, it, it, it's it's definitely a different kind of a alliance season that we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, um, so it seems like afterwards, um, Link Link maybe settled down a little bit, um, kind of both of them, or at least outwardly. And we're, I, haven't, I don't think we've seen much confessionals um, in the days since. Um, so whether that is something, and I think either of them, if there's a merge coming, which we'll talk about in a bit, but if there's something coming up, um, I think they'd be pretty quick to flip. Um. At this point, I think uh, Link is just kind of keeping quiet after her outburst so that it doesn't put a pain a target on her and give the rest of the tribe an excuse to take her out before they take Luke out. Um, I think she's, she, re she recognizes her position and doesn't necessarily see a way out of it or isn't willing to put in the work to get the numbers shifted and, and just wants to survive to another tribal or maybe to another swap. So um, pretty quickly after that tribal council was an overnight game of touchy subjects. Um, was that the official name of the challenge? It wasn't yeah. touchy subjects. So mm -hmm. a bunch of questions. Um, who's most, basically who's most likely to do this or who's the person that does that? And then who do you think got the most votes? And then points based on that and a reward for the winner always a controversial and fun challenge for the viewers to watch um, because regardless of how innocuous the questions are or how honest people were about when they were answering them, people always get butt hurt. They always, I mean, you saw it last year with Forza and you, you see it again this year um, with just people taking it too seriously and, and getting paranoid about the stuff they're seeing. Yeah, plus we, some of the, when we did it in Discordia, I mean, some of the questions were pretty, like, some of them were a little, you know, the touchy questions, but some of them were like, who's most likely to play in their underwear? Like, woohoo! Like, some of them were pretty funny. Um, 
a, but a little bit of a production side of things, we had actually come up with the idea for the tower challenge. And we were trying to figure out a way to separate the groups to have one person be at the top of the tower while everybody else is at the bottom of the tower. And we kind of came up with the idea like, well, what if we put in to the touchy subjects who's the best at puzzles and use that information to split the tribe up for the tower challenge? Because um, normally touchy subjects, we usually do kind of after merge when people have gotten a little bit more time to get to know each other a little bit. Um, but we thought that was one of the ways to sort of sneak in a little bit under the radar, the setup for the next challenge. So that's partly why we did it now when we did it. Y'all, yeah, y'all, that's been a, uh, a theme through, uh, through the season so far is there being thing, one challenge leading into another. I've, uh, I've really appreciated that with the, uh, with earlier with uh, the letters and the numbers kind of leading into the merge into the swap and now this again with the uh with the touchy subjects leading into the tower it's been fun to watch that and i don't think the players it'd be if the if it continues and the players kind of pick up on that theme if they if they start being more more aware of it and if, if that kind of changes their strategy in one challenge thinking how it might affect something moving forward so we won't run through all the results they're pretty easy to find um Luke got, I think, a lot of the most negative um, wins or of the touchy subjects uh, for the Neuro Tribe. Um, and Glorfindel picked up a bunch. And surprisingly, Greg um, had a few for Greg, most likely to use their potions for evil, mistakenly thinks they're running the game. Um, that was partly surprising. And I think this also solidified Luke being seen as on the bottom of the Neuro Tribe. Yeah, I think it, it, it clearly signals Luke is in the bottom of his tribe. I don't know that the, the results on red were a lot more split. You know, they were like more, more two, two votes here, two votes here, three votes here kind of thing, as opposed to any kind of real um, – you saw a few ties here and there. Um, I don't know that Greg – God, who even knows if Greg has read the results of touchy subjects at this point. There's, there's no telling, um, you know – what he's paying attention to at this point. So I, I, I don't know if it would have had an effect on him um, or if that really is a clear indication of how people view his place on the tribe. Yeah, I think the most interesting part of it was the fact that Nick, some Nick and Bun of all people, Nick who hasn't really been very active at all was the one who got the most points for the Bosha tribe. I don't feel like he's he's been around a fair amount and he's talked a little bit to some of the other people kind of his original Bosha people mostly but he did really well and then Bun who seems like he's mostly just talked sports with Shitter uh he got the most points for his tribe so I think though that those two things were sort of interesting to me was you think somebody maybe like Glorfindel or Harpy who I guess they talk a lot to each other and maybe they don't talk. Maybe that's part of the problem is they don't talk a ton to everybody else. Um, or even Shitter, he seems to be talking to a lot of people, Ace a little bit. So it's interesting that those two won for each team. And I, I guess we know we got, we got information from that 
at least or at least information that they have shared with their tribe who knows if they've gotten anything else but uh, what was that information ari um, yes, so the one other part of this challenge was so for Nick and Bun, who got the most points on their tribe, they received information in the game. Um, so both of them shared at camp, and Meg might know more about this, but what they shared was that the merge is at 12. Um, there could be more that they're not both not sharing, um, but that they both gave the same thing at camp. Yeah, they both, uh, they both said that, they both admitted that to their tribe mates, and but neither one of these guys have been particularly open on their confessionals so so if both of them got say like a clue to a, a command that started an idol cascade we wouldn't necessarily know it because they're you know they haven't been communicating with the viewers um so uh i'm sure our guests might know for sure if they got something else but uh, i don't know if she's in a position to tell us i cannot confirm or deny these allegations I can say that the merge information is accurate. The merge is at 12. So that information that they got is correct. All right. So the rest is uh, to be determined, I guess. The one other thing with this, you mentioned um, Harpy finished with a fairly poor performance in terms of guessing where the results would go. And I think with someone like that, sometimes you get a lot of talking and not as much listening to other people. Um, and we also see misgendering people and spelling tribe names wrong and not knowing colors and not understanding how the web works. And that's a bit of a theme. It is yeah. uh, Has Harpy used the web at all? I know that she knows it exists, but it seems like a original, I guess, Nero. It seemed like mostly Glorfindel was the one using the web and that was for shenanigans, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think Harpy has actually sent a message to anybody else because I'm not sure she really has wrapped her head around the utility of the web at this point. Um, right. She so, seems uh, sent messages, scary. not in a few days. Yeah. Um, I, I, if I were Shitter, the second I heard that, you know, Bun came back and said the merge is going to be at 12, I would have, I would have, uh, hit up crab and, and you know in a in a subtle way as possible and go and, and said um something along the lines of uh, we hear the merges at 12 what are you hearing you know something like that i have um, had 12 burritos today have you had yeah, 12 today? yeah you know just something that to, to where you can reassure your partner you know your, your partner on the other side this is what we've heard does it match up with anything you've heard yeah I really just need to say also that the fact that Ace shared the Food Network recipe of the day yesterday was amazing. I died. It was perfect. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be sad to see. Because I just wanted them to like just keep sharing their like dinner for no reason. Exactly. I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna be sad to see the spider web go, but. Uh, I'm sure y'all have got more fun and games in store for us uh, other than just the spider web. Ace also oh, did figure out that a few of the messages in the spider web seem to shoehorn a weird amount of fruit into them in unsubtle ways and thought maybe there's something to this and was right. Um, and so Shinner shared the fruit code with Ace and one other person, I think. I can't remember who. Uh, I think. I don't remember though. Let me look. 
Was it was it table? No, wait. I think it was They're bun, on the other team. Yeah, yeah. You shared it with Bun. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of disappointed because Ace was sort of like, this just seems really weird, but I don't know, maybe I'm like overanalyzing it or whatever. I kind of wish the shooters had kept it to himself between him and Crab instead of sharing. Yeah. But... What are you talking about? I don't see anything weird in this. <laughs> he, just, he just rolled over and, sh- and showed his soft underbelly, which is just. This, this whole. Soft. They don't. They're not good at keeping secrets. No one in this game is good at keeping secrets right now. It's uh, it's 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 maddening. Yeah, it's interesting because this is also the first season that we've had people. We have a lot more people who haven't played, who haven't watched, and then we also have some people. We have like you know our little handful of FML people, some of which have watched before, and then we have like the org people who like have played other orgs, but like. Ours is really not a lot like other ones. So it's almost like that experience doesn't apply very well. Uh, I feel like, if, especially with this group that we have, if you're like too pushy, if you're too conniving, if you're too whatever, it's not going to work. Whereas in other places that might work a little bit better. So I feel like the combination of people here is, you know, I think in most other seasons, like if you're a shitter and you have your code and you have your information or whatever, like you're not going to share that with anybody maybe like one person. Whereas everybody here is like, here's my code and here's my info and I found all these commands and I did all this stuff. And it's like, what is happening here? <laughs> it's <coughs> it's, um, it's going to make for an interesting uh, post-merge game because um, I guess we've got at least three more eliminations before then. And uh, yeah. So in the words of Glorfindel, secret secret is there no fair. Um, which is not necessarily the alliance mindset. Maybe it is this season. Um, and we were also just talking about how between Glorf and Harpy, um, not quite knowing what the secrets are on the web, and kind of maybe under a weird assumption that everyone has access to it, which would be weird. Those two are... are cute <laughs> how cute they are <laughs> so we go out after the touchy subject into the immunity challenge uh earlier in the afternoon which was the tower um looked like a challenge that production spent a lot of time going into and came out in a really cool way um basically 10 puzzles that for the tribe the um, so who, the person voted best at puzzle started on floor 10 and the rest of the tribe started on floor one, uh, working up and then the best person working down and they would meet theoretically in the middle and to, to solve the puzzle, the last one together, basically whoever solves all 10 puzzles first um, gets tribal immunity. And it great. was pretty fun to watch. And yeah, Great design. Um, the puzzles were fun. Nice mix of uh, in-your-face obvious stuff. Um, and then there were some uh, more uh, challenging things that just required a little bit of a sideways thinking. And um, some of them proved to be harder than they may have should have been. Um, some of them uh, surprised me with how quick people got them. So it was, uh, it was fun to watch these two groups uh, with uh, differing numbers of, of people coming in and out uh, try to get this stuff solved. 
Yeah, it turned out really well. We were glad that everybody liked it. Um, so what often happens is Ryan and I go for a walk most days, and usually we spend the majority of the walk brainstorming stuff or thinking of things or doing whatever. Um, so I mentioned earlier, we had thought of an idea for some sort of challenge where almost like a, a damsel in distress, quote unquote, somebody stuck up in a tower and the rest of the group has to go rescue them. Um, so it sort of turned into this idea of figuring out who the rest of the team thinks is the best at puzzles, separating that person from the group, and then letting that person independently work on things while the rest of the group together worked on things and they tried to sort of meet up in the middle. Um, GD and Clever worked a lot on the puzzles themselves. Um, I know that I think Clever and GD, Clever asked sort of some of her other friends to solve the puzzles. She asked some of us on production to solve the puzzles. Um, and then what we did, what we intended to do was put it so that the easiest puzzles were on the 10th floor and the first floor. And then it sort of increased in difficulty the closer you got to the middle. Um, mostly so that that way, you know, the object was that everybody would sort of meet up somewhere toward the center, but that way in case um, somebody got stuck or something happened like that, um, hopefully that between the two of them, so one side or the other would be able to keep going and meet up with each other somewhere in the center. Um, we were a little concerned after some of the performances and some of the other challenges that this would perhaps not go well. So we'd come up with time limits for each floor so that people wouldn't just be stuck for all of eternity somewhere. But um, it actually turned out really well. I was really impressed with how everybody did. Everybody seemed to get through it fairly well. There was a couple things that tripped people up, but for the most part, everybody I think did a really good job. And it seemed like everybody enjoyed watching the challenge and participating in the challenge, so that was good. And you know what? There wasn't one comment from Ace that any of it was trash. So I think it's in that respect, in that respect, it's a huge success. We have finally succeeded. The word trash did not escape his dirty mouth one single time. <laughs> uh, in a quick recap of the challenge. So the Nero tribe went first. They had Thesis as their, I guess, a damsel in distress. Um, he made good pace through the first few and uh, ultimately, I think he got stuck on um, floor six, which was the one with the letters and the QR code. Yes. Um, and the rest of his tribe made it pretty quickly through the first floor, and then the fifth one with the potions um, tripped them up. It took 50 minutes for them to get through there. Once they did, they were able to finish um, with a time of uh, 91 minutes. The Nero tribe, a uh, pretty seemed like a respectable time. Yeah, um, I, I, I'll be the first to admit that when I saw their tribe and I saw how kind of uh, disheveled and disorganized Red was, and even figuring who was going to sit out, um, and the fact that it looked like two or three of their people weren't even going to be able to participate, I thought uh, Blue had it in the bag. Uh, and so um, the Fosha tribe went, Glorfindel was their puzzle solver. He made it pretty quickly through the first few, and then did he though? Uh, did he? Because it seemed like he he took a long he, time. He took doing a bit longer a on the first one, and then so we made it some time, and then yeah. he got stuck on the seventh floor, which was the dial. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, meanwhile, I, for the rest of the tribe, it 
as might have been expected, sort of became the BBGG show as he pretty much ripped through the uh, the entire talent. Yeah, I think ultimately he was the person who was responsible for entering the the correct command on four of the ten levels. Is that right? and, and I uh, think that, that yeah. sounds right. And he also led up to it. I think for at least two more. Yeah, you know, and, and considering he didn't even touch levels eight, nine, and ten, he was he was yeah, and a hugely impressive showing for BBGG. Uh, and so. Um, their official time, 63 minutes, a uh, pretty sizable win. Um, BBGG has shown to be really fun at this kind of thing. And I'm curious, Meg, how this went compared to what was expected in terms of timing. Uh, it actually went a lot better. As I said before, we were a little bit concerned based on how people did in some of the gauntlet puzzles. Um, we, I guess this one we tested, I think we tested this one a little bit more than we tested some of the gauntlet puzzles. Um, like I know that Ryan's sort of like gibberish listening challenge. I think, G, did GD and Jeffrey, were they the ones that, just GD? GD tested it, I mean, GD got it in like a few minutes. So it didn't take him very long, but these ones I know we tested a little bit more. Um, the one that was all, was it the zero, the zero one codes? I didn't bother testing that. Um, I think I tested the sort of, not map, the like add the news one, the like directional numbers. Yeah. Um, I tested that, I couldn't figure it out. Um, I tested the seventh floor one that some of the people got stuck on, which was a sort of alphabet circle with the dots in the middle. And I was on the right track to start with, but as soon as I got a Q and a Z, I was like, well, clearly I fucked this up somehow. <laughs> what word would have a Q and a Z in it? So I was at least on the right track with that one. Um, it was sort of one of those things where I kept being like, well, this can't be the answer. And Clever's like, no, what, like, what do you think it is? And I'm like, well, I got a Q and a Z. And she's like, okay. And um, so that one, we kind of, we figured out eventually. The QR code, I don't really ever use QR code, so I sort of like zoned in on the spot on the map, like immediately. Um, I don't know if I ever figured out the actual avoid red herrings as the wording, but I at least figured out the structure of like what was supposed to be happening to not get distracted by the QR stuff. Um, and the potions, apparently I was the only one who could figure that part out. Go, so girl. Was, I have to say that for once, finally being the one person who figured something out and no one else could do it really made me feel good about myself. Nice. Usually it is the opposite. Uh, uh, but yeah. That was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I was impressed with the hour uh, finish for, uh, for, um, Fodia, though at this point, I mean, yeah, and, and it was BBGG kind of driving the train for most of the, uh, most of the, of the go. So, um, I think, um, I think that paints a huge target on him moving forward. Sooner or later, someone like Crab, uh, someone like Ace, um, you know, these people are going to notice that BBGG, um, is just killing it on these puzzles. 
And um, though they may not be able to do much about it at this point, um, and I know like Crab has like, uh, say Fodia goes to tribal, I know Crab wants to take out Glorf, but um, she may not, she might want to move her target to somebody else because uh, she might want to move her target to BBGG because he's going to be very Jeff-like um, in the back half of the, in the individual part of this uh, contest if, uh, if, it, if it ends up being uh, puzzle-oriented and there's no reason to think it won't be. Um, he's going to be tough to beat. Yes, you can't let Jeff stick around for the individual portion of the game. It is yeah. bad times for everyone except for Jeffrey. All right. But yeah, so, BBG's done awesome. He's done really well. Yeah. <laughs> My so, nemesis. Yeah. He's going to be, <laughs> I'm, I mean, he's going to be fun to watch. Your coach. Does, uh, does production get um, upset if somebody, like, what was, what was the time you were expecting all 10 puzzles to take? Were you looking at two hours? Were you looking at two and a half? Were you, what were you think? What were y'all thinking would be the ultimate the winning time? To be honest, we were real concerned that they were going to time out on a lot of the floors because we were sort of trying to figure out, like, okay, like if somebody gets stuck, like, what do we do? We had to make sure that the penalty was severe enough that people weren't just like, I'll just take the penalty and just blast through it and not even try the puzzles. Um, so I think that's sort of why we settled on because Clever's like, you know, I think all of them should take like a minimum probably of 10 minutes. So if we think all the puzzles are going to take at least 10 minutes, if not longer, then, you know, what's a fair amount of time to make people try them before we let them move on to the next stage. Um, so that's kind of why we said on an hour, we at least want them to be there long enough to put in the effort to at least try and solve it um, rather than just being like, oh, we give up. We'll just keep going and hope the other team doesn't figure it out either. Right. Uh, well, as we learned from Ace, an hour is a good period of time to go uh, before you just quit. Right. Yes. Him and uh, I don't remember who the other person was. I, it was a mutual agreement. Was it Jesus? I think it was Dubs. Uh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dubs sort of rings a bell too. Yeah. Yeah. In retrospect, it would have been better if somehow they could tell, like, as they adjusted their phrasing, if they were getting closer or further away, more like a mastermind type of thing. But, uh -huh. again, GD figured it out in, like, five minutes. So, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, after, like, some of the other things that people have been trouble finding and people have been trouble, like, completing, we were like, this might take a real long time. So, we were, we were actually really happy with how it turned out, the fact that, Everybody figured out all of the puzzles. Like, nobody maxed out on any of the floors. was really great. Um, I think it helped a lot that everybody was working together, other than yeah. the, like, single puzzle people. Um, so I think that helped that people could sort of, like, see what other people were thinking and kind of work off of that rather than sort of being stuck by themselves and trying to figure things out by themselves. So I think the format of it helped a lot also. Yeah, there seemed to be a lot of building off of other people's answers or using other people's answers as inspiration or pointing them in a different direction. I think that, in, so yeah, in, in that respect, it was a, it was a, <coughs> it worked out well for them. Mm -hmm. And to their credit, both tribes got through all 10 puzzles without timing out on any of them. Um, the Nero tribe spent, I think, 50 minutes on the potions puzzle um, before it was Trophy Wife that put in the answer, actually, that determination that we've talked about before. Um, 
and that's a time that probably cost them, but definitely weren't giving up and in a different situation could definitely have been enough for a win. Oh yeah. 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 Another, uh, nice, another, a nice little showing from, uh, from trophy wife. She, uh, she hung in there. Um, she, she, I don't, as far as I could tell, she never dipped out of the challenge. Um, and, uh, was, you know, was, was plugging away the whole time though. The same can't be said of everyone on her team. Yeah, that was one thing. I I wasn't present for the when the actual challenge was taking place. So I don't know, was there a lot of people like sort of popping in and popping out and sort of doing whatever? I know Trof Trophy Wife is amazing. Like she's so tenacious. I'm so impressed with her. So like all the props to her. But I don't know sort of how the dynamic was for the other people playing. Well, there were a few. Um, one thing about this challenge was you could kind of see, at least from the viewers, if someone was popping in because they would be a couple of floors behind and you could watch them climb back up, which was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, but there was one person who popped out and never popped back in. Who was, was that? that? Was that Luke? Yes, sir, it was. So yeah, in this position, um, the loss in this, sending Nero to Tribal Council, and looks like it's going to be fairly predictable that everyone seems set against Luke, partially for this challenge and sort of just being on the bottom and somewhat rubbing people the wrong way. Um, but it looks like it's had, uh, fairly simple. So um, I guess we can kind of talk about what, is this the right move for the Nero tribe if they vote off? He's, he's getting buried by Ace and Trophy. They are telling anybody who will listen and point out, you know, let Luke uh, quit on this challenge. Um, you know, and there's some viewers of a, of a scruffy goat nature who don't believe that this is the right move um, for the long game. But right now, I don't know. I, I think Luke has just rubbed so many people the wrong way that sometimes there is a long game play and sometimes there is an immediate, we must make peace in this camp game play. And I think for them right now, he rubs so many of the of his tribe mates the wrong way that they have got to um, that they've got to remove that irritant. And uh, whether it works out for him in the end or not, I don't think it matters. They just want immediate relief. Yeah, and that's sort of Luke didn't Luke wanted a swap originally. He wasn't super into his original Nero squad, but I don't think the swap really did him a lot of favors. Because Ace sort of met up with Shitters, and the two of them are now bonding over all of the sports ball. So they're kind of buddies now. Um, Ace and Jesus were originally, I think, on old Fosha. Yeah. So they're sort of connected a little bit. Um, the more Trophy's been around, the more she's kind of gotten into the game a little bit. And I think she's at least talked to enough people to sort of get in a little bit where she's not necessarily a target. So it's sort of now that Dorian's gone, it's kind of down to Link Link and Luke. And yeah, Luke throwing his temper tantrum or whatever in camp the other day probably didn't do any favors. No. Um, Trophy is not fond of him based kind of on his attitude, which is unfortunate. Um, I think Luke generally, from what I've seen, before of him over in like global viber and stuff luke seems like a nice guy like i think he's come off worse here than he probably actually is 
um, which is too bad. But I think it's also, like I mentioned earlier, it's a little bit of the fact of the kind of experienced org players being used to kind of working with, you know, like teenagers and 20-somethings and whatever, kind of the way that those orgs operate compared to ours, which is a lot more, especially this season, is a lot more social. Um, you know, we thought this season would skew a lot younger than it actually did end up skewing. Um, and I think just sort of the over-the-top, like, manipulation and, like, you know, strategizing and, like, doing all this stuff isn't as applicable here as it is in other places. So I think just the sort of way that Luke is coming off would maybe work other places is not working here. Yeah, his, his, he would be kind of a, his attitude and his, and his strategy would be a magnet to those, to those younger players. They would want to attach themselves to that, to somebody who's wanting to make big, splashy plays and, and doesn't really kind of think about the emotion behind the game because as, as we all know, um, teenagers are sociopaths and um, <laughs> and so I mean so they don't even think about the damage that they're doing to person whereas you know like 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 shitter and trophy are sitting there kind of thinking like you know we're going to be in this game for a while I want to be playing with people I can actually have you know decent conversations with I can talk about sports ball I can talk about this I can talk about my job I can talk about my kids um, and and I think Luke's uh, his uh his time zone and, and, and kind of trying to bring that org strategy to a, to a much more social game is, yeah, it's, it's biting them in the ass. Right. And I'm curious if the same thing's going to happen to crab down the line, because she's hinted at it a couple times that she sort of wants to like go rogue and start causing shenanigans. And up to this point so far, she kind of hasn't. Yeah. But I feel like she's itching, man. She's itching to do something and I feel like it's not going to work. It's, it's her. It's it's an it's her instinct. It's what she knows from these games. But um, but again, like you said, in my, it, it, she needs for it for her to be able to pull it over on red. She's going to need to pull in somebody like BBGG, and um, and I don't know if that's going to happen. But we'll see. Right. She has Barker. I think like if she ended up being able to meet up with Luke. I don't, I, even the two of them together, I don't even know if they could pull it off with everybody else. I just feel like the way their strategies and the way they want to play isn't cohesive and doesn't work with everybody else. It's a, yeah. Yeah, it seems most likely at this point that it's going to be at least four, probably five votes against Luke. Um, what, is there anything that Luke can do at this point to stay alive tomorrow? He can, uh, well, <laughs> Well, here's, here's what will happen. Luke will come on at about 3 a.m. and say, hey, guys, to an empty camp because everyone will be asleep. Um, he'll get frustrated that no one's awake to talk to him. Uh, he'll disappear for another three or four hours until maybe he thinks everybody waking up. Uh, he is going to try to leverage the fact that Trophy and Jesus know each other outside of the game from you know he doesn't even he doesn't even know what that association is he just knows that the trophy told him she knows jesus outside the game we know as viewers that it's the wish list or you know connection um but the problem is that a lot of these other people already know that they know each other and it's been kind of a eh. yeah he's going to try to talk to link he's going to try to talk to bun 
He's going to try to use that relationship to, you know, insert a wedge and try to get the vote swapped over probably onto somebody again, maybe like Jesus or something like that, or even maybe trophy wife. Um, but the problem is that most of these other people know and don't, you know, a lot of these people already know that Jesus and trophy know each other. Um, so it's not really going to be, there's not really a lot that that information can, you know, can be leveraged for. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's his only play really. I mean, at this point. Yeah. Like I said, I don't, I don't usually read the DMS unless somebody mentions something in the lounge. Um, this season, since people have talked more in camp, um, I'll read the camp. But most of the individual DMs, I stopped reading them last season, so that way Tribal was a little bit more of a surprise because as production, I can see everything, everything all the time. Um, and also just from a time standpoint, like it's impossible trying to keep up on everything. So the DMs were one of the things I said last season, like I'm not going to read the DMs. Um, so I... I personally don't know exactly what's happening behind the scenes now, but I, based on what I've seen so far, I think Luke's in a bad spot. Like Shitters and Bun, I think at this point, have bonded enough that they're going to be willing to vote together. Ace and Shitters have worked on the spiderweb stuff, and they kind of have a bond, so that's three of them. Trophy seems like she's sort of been able to talk a little bit more with part of that group of guys, so that's an, a fourth person there. Um, Jesus is kind of linked with Ace from prior Fosha. So other than Link Link, I don't feel like Luke really has anybody that would probably, unless he can convince somebody in that group and then hope that that person can convince the rest of the group to vote for, I would assume at this point, probably Link Link. I don't know that he really has much he can do at this point to try and avoid getting voted out. Yeah, he's a, I say there's a 95% chance he goes just based on everything we've seen to this chant, to this point. Um, so that was about all we had for recap. Um, I think we were curious if there was anything else, Meg, that you would want to add. If there's any, I think Hirsch asked about production horror stories or any fun stories that are going on about what's behind the scenes. I don't know. I don't know if we have anything interesting. The uh, brains of the operation is sitting next to me, I think, covertly listening in on the conversation, but not that much. Um, so what's it like? Um, so some of these challenges, and I don't think this was as much of a factor in previous seasons, but it's hands-on production is doing things while players are entering commands. Um, things like steering the boat or running the maze, or uh, I think there was something in the last challenge. Like, how does that work? And who, uh, how do you determine who's rowing what boat? So generally it's sort of a, the first thing is figuring out when the people, when the players are available, because as I mentioned earlier, corralling all of them at once is sort of like trying to herd cats, like, there's always somebody who's not around and like we get a time where almost everybody else is around. Somebody else is like, I don't know, I'm kind of busy. So usually what happens is we base the time we're going to do stuff on the players. Um, and then if we need people from production, it will sort of be whoever is available to help at the time. Ryan is 
100% basically dedicated to the game and dedicated to what's going on. So he's always basically going to be involved in when the challenges are happening and things like that. So usually if it just needs one person supervising, he's the person. Um, GD and Jeffrey are probably the two best at working the bots and inputting those commands other than Ryan. Um, Clever and I, neither one of us is super comfortable doing like setting up a lot of stuff behind the scenes with the bots and the roles and things like that. Um, so we don't do as much of that. Um, but, and I personally was the steerer of the yellow boat in the boat challenge. Um, so for me, I usually try and avoid helping if it's anything super important because <laughs> yeah, I get super, I'm anxious anyway. So I get like <coughs> this at that point, because it's like, if it ever came down to like me making a mistake and making it so that the teams lost, like I would be, I would feel awful. I would be like absolutely devastated. That's like my worst nightmare. So I know when it came down to do the boat challenge, I, and I wasn't, we had practiced this with sort of some of the VIPs, some of the testers. I was not present for the test, so I was not familiar with the boat challenge, like, at all. Um, and I think it came down, like, a couple of people were busy, and I was not. So I'm like, all right, if you need somebody to steer the boat, I can do it. Like, just tell me what I need to do. So Ryan spent, like, a half hour, like, going over with me very specifically about, like, okay, if, the, if they do this, the boat does this. If they do this, the boat does this. Um, and I'm very visual person. So I, I made like a chart and put it on my wall of like every position the boat could be facing up or right or left or down. And then if they did these two commands, it did this. If they did these two commands, it did that. I was like so sweaty. I was so anxious. I was freaking out. Um, I ended up with the Estrapi boat, I think because Ryan had originally said like, okay, well I can see like this boat and this boat. So if there's only two of us, like I can see the red and the blue, I can't see the yellow boat. So I'm like, I'll drive the yellow boat. That's fine. So I had like this thing taped on the wall and I'm like, so I'm going in and I'm doing things. And of course, as we know now, Crab was looking at the red boat, not the yellow boat. So I'm like sitting there and my boat's just going in circles and circles and circles. I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God. I'm like, I asked, I asked Ryan like three or four different times. I'm like, is this my fault? Like, did I screw something up? Am I going, am I doing the wrong thing? Like, I swear, like I'm looking at the thing. I'm looking at my thing. I'm looking at the boat. And I was afraid that I was like moving the boat too slow. So she was like refreshing and not seeing the right positioning. I was like traumatized that I had done something horribly wrong and ruined everything. It was awful until finally we figured out that it was not my fault. She was looking at the wrong boat. I was just, I was spinning the boat in circles because that's what was happening. Um, but yeah, I was so, and then eventually when they figured out what had happened, they were a command off. They were sort of doing three at a time instead of two at a time. So eventually, even when they got straightened out, like they were going the wrong way for a couple of minutes. I'm like, oh my God, please, Jesus, just let them get straightened out. Let them go the right direction. I'm going to, I'm going to have like a panic attack. So at least they finally got straightened out. But yeah. It's not great. So usually <laughs> when it comes down to things, we try and make it so that either everything gets controlled by the bots, the players are making choices, um, 
as little sort of involvement in sort of the decisions of the game, we try and make sure that we're not as involved in that, just so that things are like neutral and the players are more in control of what is happening. But um, for challenges and things like that, it's sort of just a whoever is available, whoever is comfortable operating whatever needs to be operated is sort of what ends up happening. Like I said, usually the less that I am involved, the happier I am. But, you know, stuff mm -hmm. happens. <laughs> you guys, in my humble opinion, are doing a great job. Um, most untrashy, if I have to say so myself. Most untrashy. Thank you. We are glad that everybody's enjoying it. So that's always, we always try and make sure that the players are having a good time, that the viewers are having a good time. Occasionally people will think things are trash, but you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> we, we do the best that we can. I think he says trash in the love of the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I trash. call a lot of things trash too, so I understand. I have heard a lot of things called trash over the years, so don't take it personally. <laughs> Uh, you think this um, it's definitely been a ton of fun for everyone watching in the VIP lounge and the regular lounge and anyone competing. Um, thanks so much, Meg, for joining us, and thanks, Hirsch, uh, for another great episode. All right, thank you good for inviting me. Good to see you, Miss Meg. Yes, good to see you guys too. All right, Ari. Next time, take care. We will see you hopefully before the next travel council. Peace. Whenever I show up, I apparently the, the length of the podcast extends by like triple, no matter what I'm doing. <laughs>